Welcome to the AMR Studio, a podcast dedicated to the multidisciplinary research on antimicrobial resistance, hosted by the Uppsala Antibiotic Center. Hi, I am Eva Garmendia. And I'm Jenny Jagman. And I'm Po Ching Tang. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this uh, first episode of the special episode we're bringing to you for the World Antibiotic Awareness Week this year, 2019. And we thought of bringing to you more personal stories about people that actively work with communicating AMR at different levels, towards different audiences, and basically with different approaches. This is going to be, as I said, a two-episode series. And today we're going to hear more of the national communication of AMR here in Sweden. And for this, you First, I'm going to hear an introduction by Jenny, where she's going to explain how the Swedish health system works. Here in Sweden, probably you already know it, but for those listening to us from outside Sweden, this is going to put you at a basic level to be able to understand the interviews better. After that, we are going to hear first a person working here locally in Uppsala with communication of AMR, mostly towards healthcare professionals. She's part of Strama Network. And then you are going to hear someone that works at the Swedish Public Health Agency and that works within one national campaign called Huidan Antibiotica, which means safe antibiotics. And yeah, so we hope that you enjoy these two interviews and get in to learn a little bit more how we work here in Sweden with the aspect of communicating AMR. So in this series, since we're using Sweden as an example of a national approach to antibiotic resistance issue, we wanted to describe a little bit about how the Swedish healthcare system works. So the Swedish healthcare system is regulated at a regional level, and it's coordinating hospitals, urgent care centers, and primary care centers. Hospitals and some primary care centers are public, but some primary care centers are privately run as well. The split between private and public primary care centers varies geographically, and urgent care centers are often private. And all of these different kinds of systems are all under contract by the region, regardless of if they're public or private, they're under contract by the regional system. Healthcare insurance in Sweden is universal and coordinated by a governmental entity after a small out-of-pocket expense by the patient. The great majority of private healthcare is reimbursed through the National Public Healthcare Insurance Program, and it's directly to the care providers, not through the patients. Patients in the vast majority of cases do not pay more to see a private healthcare provider than they would to see a public healthcare provider. The regions largely finance the running of healthcare, with certain interventions being funded nationally. Medication costs, including antibiotics, are subsidized and the price of prescription medications is controlled by a collective purchasing at a regional level. Antibiotics in Sweden are only given by prescription, while certain few antifungals and antivirals are sold without a prescription, and this is more common reoccurring yeast infections and antivirals for cold sores. The responsibility to ensure the supply of medications at pharmacies lies on companies running the pharmacies and to a certain degree, certain governmental institutions. Hospitals in Sweden are run by boards, in Swedish called styrelse. Exactly who is represented on this board may vary between regions and hospitals, also depending on whether it's a teaching hospital or not. So there may be more politicians or politically appointed people on these boards or more um, research representatives and whatnot, but it's often a mix. The regions that are responsible for providing health care to citizens are also run by a board of political representatives through an election with a five-year term. There are also many non-politically elective employees at the regions that are coordinating this health care. It's not only political. While financing can be set by the region, regional boards are not often directly involved in the day-to-day running of a hospital. That's more to the hospital board. At a national level, there is some coordination from the organization Sveriges Kommuner and Landsting, which is the national organization of regions and counties that, where they collaborate, and the Swedish Public Health Agency, as well as contributions from, for example, the Swedish Medical Association and other professional organizations. Healthcare is also regulated by national legislation, and there is regulation and inspection from the Health and Social Care Inspectorate at the national level. With that, a lot of dense information. I hope it helps you understand the following interviews, and I really hope you enjoy them. 
Welcome, Gunni Lestad Ekman. Would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners and what you're currently working with? Sure, and thank you very much for having me here. <laughs> As you said, my name is Gunni Lestad Ekman. I'm a pharmacist and I am currently working at Strama Uppsala. And I have been working with Strama for uh, 13 years, first at the national level and now the last years on a local level here in Uppsala. Could you tell us, uh, explain a little bit what Strama is? Sure. Strama is Swedish strategic program against antibiotic resistance. Mm-hmm. And there are Strama groups in all 21 counties of Sweden. So most of the work is done at the local level, and then we have great support on a national level. Okay, so there's like a national coordination of these local... Uh, the, the national level is more like a coaching function okay. and supporting function, which helps with uh, guidelines. Yeah. So there is a strama function at the national level. So it's very clear that... Y- AMR, antimicrobial resistance, is a huge part of your work since you're working with an organization that specifically focuses on this. But how has your experience been in the past also working with it? How did you build into this? Since I've been working with this for 13 years, Mm -hmm. my experience is that the awareness of this Mm -hmm. problem has grown both in uh, professionals in healthcare and Mm -hmm. also in the public. Uh, So that's really, really great. Yeah, because you work a lot with healthcare professionals, but also um, local. Yes, in the beginning, <laughs> in the beginning, Strama worked uh, mainly um, with healthcare professionals, mm-hmm. but then we realized that we also have to spread the word among the public. Yeah, it doesn't really help to do it no. just one sided. No, it's got a kind of it, it a has to come. Approach. Yes, exactly, yeah. um, because we often heard from the physicians that. The public demanded antibiotics. So So it's not just enough for the physicians to change their approaches, but they also need to have support from the general public that they're actually working with and that they're providing services for. So since this extra episode is focusing also on the communication of antimicrobial resistance, I kind of wanted to ask you, from your perspective working at this local level with also some experience at a national level, What do you see are your main strategies when you're working on communicating the problem of antimicrobial resistance? Um, A main strategy is to make sure that the message that people get are not contradictory. Mm -hmm. For example, now we talk about in the GP's office, Mm -hmm. uh, that the message that the patient gets from the first person that greets them at the desk should not be contradictory to what the nurse say, what the assistant nurses say, and what the physicians say. Mm -hmm. So everyone at the office should know what are our routines and make Mm -hmm. sure that they work according to the same routines. The nurse doesn't say, oh, you're going to see a physician and then get antibiotics. And then perhaps they don't get the antibiotics. So so everyone has to work according to the same routine. And also we talk with childcare professionals to make sure that their message to the parents Mm -hmm. are not contradictory to what the healthcare professionals say. Yeah, because so we are, we are, we have also heard from um, physicians. They have told us that parents come to them and say that the childcare units have told them to go and get antibiotics for <laughs> their children. So now we also educate the childcare. Mm-hmm. Is that in centers. schools, uh, primary schools, primary and, schools, um, preschools, preschools? Yeah, 
Yes. Uh, how has that experience been? Do you feel that the childcare workers are receptive to this information, that they understand the importance? Yes, they, they are receptive because a few years ago, the education for the childcare professionals mm-hmm. changed and the part about infection control was removed from their yeah. schooling. So first we did a survey to see whether they felt they lacked this information or mm-hmm. this knowledge. And a lot of them say they did. Yeah. So now we have started this project together with the unit for infection control here mm-hmm. in Uppsala. And that's with people that are currently working as child care professionals, not yes. people that are studying. No, no, they're currently working. Okay. And also with their parents. Yeah, because that feels like a very important, I mean, you need a united front there with the exactly. child care professionals, the parents, and then, like you said, a yes. cohesive message that they're going to get once they go to the primary care centers. Exactly. It feels like it becomes a pretty complex network, but it's a really useful aspect. I didn't yeah. actually think about that, how important this is in primary care. And just as you said, also this cohesive message. Exactly. Because you don't want contradictory messages. That's that's our main yeah. <laughs> focus right now. Absolutely. <laughs> and that is in the whole community. Mm-hmm. It's like in the GP's office, in childcare, in the hospital wards. The messages can be different because at different times there should be antibiotics and other yeah. times there shouldn't be, but it should not be contradictory. No. That's the most important thing. It is a kind of hard message to say simply, but also get clearly to the audience to say, antibiotics are necessary. You should take them when you're told to take them, mm. but you shouldn't take them when they're not needed. Exactly. It, it's a little bit, you have to rely a lot on your primary care. And then, of course, you maybe lose some of the trust if you're getting different messages exactly. from different people. It has to be a trust word because otherwise there's no yeah. point. <laughs> because it's hard. I mean, we work in antimicrobial resistance and I don't know exactly when I'm supposed to take antibiotics. No. Personally, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. Trust your physician. Yeah. <laughs> and also we, we talk about protecting your normal gut flora and how important yeah. that is. Have you found that there's a difficulty in explaining the necessity of antibiotics? Because it's a bit popular now to talk about normal flora and probiotics mm-hmm. and this whole mindfulness that we have a normal flora that keeps us healthy and this is part of being a healthy individual. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that it's a bit difficult to communicate this, that there's still a need for antibiotics, that they can still do good? No, I don't think we've come that far. No. <laughs> there's no hesitancy to take antibiotics, you don't think? Well, I think more and more people are glad if they don't have to take antibiotics, but I have not experienced that they're afraid to take it. Okay, that's good. Well, how does your team look like when you're working with this issue on a day-to-day basis? What does your team look like and who is it made up of? Mm, We have a pharmacist, that's Mm -hmm. me, and then we have divided the team into two. We have an an outpatient team and mm-hmm. also a hospital team. Okay. With the outpatient care, I'm in that team too. I'm mm-hmm. in both teams. We have GPs, a nurse, and um, well, that's that team. And the hospital team is a nurse specialized in infectious diseases. Okay. And also physicians specialized in infectious diseases. Mm-hmm. And we have a close collaboration with. The County Medical Officer for Communicable Diseases Control. Okay. And also we have collaboration with the clinical microbiologist, mm-hmm. pediatricians, and also with the unit for hospital hygiene. Okay. So you have a central team that's maybe people with more active roles and then exactly. they collaborate with people yeah. at the different units. Yeah. This outpatient team, mm. 
they're responsible for several different outpatient centers. Yes, we have um, almost 50 okay. GP offices here in, in, in Uppsala. Uppsala County. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Uppsala County is, I mean, it's not the biggest county, but it's nope. relatively it's geographically fourth. big. <laughs> um, yeah. How, how is that manageable? To... Uh, well, we used to visit every GP twice a year, mm-hmm. which took a lot of time. Yeah, that's a lot. But, but a few years ago, we started doing that. Now we visit them once a year mm-hmm. with new guidelines. They get feedback on their antibiotic prescriptions. But now we also have local Strama ambassadors, okay. one physician and one nurse mm-hmm. at every unit. So we educate those and we give them um, tasks to do every year. And if they do this task, they get financial bonus. Okay. So we have collaborated with the regional office. Yeah. So just to clarify, for those that don't know, in Sweden, a lot of the healthcare questions are handled at a regional level. It's regional organizations that drive most of the healthcare questions and policies and whatnot. I mean, there is a governmental aspect, but mainly on a regional level. So this is something that you're working with in collaboration with the, uh, what they call region Uppsala County. Exactly. Because they have the contracts with the primary care centers. Yes. And we get to put in a bit in those contracts about the drama work. Okay. So you get to have, not have a say, but you maybe get to set some guidelines or um, requirements to some level. Yes. Okay. So they actually have to report to us Mm -hmm. and we get to approve or disapprove on this report. And then we report to the Uppsala region office. How does that collaboration work? I mean, do you feel that you get support at the regional level for your work in Strama? Do you feel Absolutely. that? Absolutely. This collaboration works very, very okay. well. Do you feel like the primary care centers in different parts of Uppsala County, are they receptive to this message? Are they willing to work on the antibiotic resistance problem or do you feel any sort of hesitation? They are willing to work on it because when we give them the tasks mm-hmm. that they have to perform each year, First, we ask them what task they want, because it's very important to communicate that the task should not be a task because of the task. It, yeah. should, it should be. It should, it should have be. Purpose. It should have a purpose, and it should make their work easier. Yeah. Because we all want to make. You all want the same outcome in the end. Exactly. Patients yeah. So 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 it should really have a purpose for them, and then should feel that it matters and that they wanted to do it anyway. But yeah. now they get money to do it. Always <laughs> <laughs> a good incentive. Yeah. I mean. So um. You really have to think a lot about what the task should be mm-hmm. and to listen to what they feel would be useful or useful. helpful. Exactly. Yeah. And then, um, of course, they do it. Yeah. And then they get money to do it. It feels like the financial incentive is useful. I mean, it might sound a bit strange to say you get a financial incentive to work with this, but I mean, all public health care systems are strained financially to some degree. Yeah. And it, it shows that this is an important thing to work on and it gives them exactly. the incentive. Yes. And a way to explain to others why they're working with it and whatnot. Yes. It, it feels And also important. it's, um, there's always a lack of time yeah. at these units. So if they can say that they get some money to do it, that really, really helps. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it sounded a bit strange when you said it first, but now that I've thought about it, it feels like a very smart thing to do. Yes, because earlier there were um, prescriptions goals that they mm-hmm. had to um, achieve. And if they didn't achieve them, then they lost money. Mm-hmm. But now instead, it's not... Uh, a carrot instead of a stick. Exactly. Yeah. And also, 
the importance is not to reach a certain level in their no. prescription. The importance is to raise these questions yeah. at their units and to work with them. So apart from this task that they have to do every year, they also have to raise the question mm-hmm. about antibiotic resistance. So increase awareness. Exactly. At the, I mean, even more local level. We've been yes. talking about a regional level, and this is an incredibly local level yeah. of a local area's primary care center exactly. where everybody turns to. Yes, in Sweden, it's mainly public health care that people turn to, but there is an element of private health care as well. Do yeah. you have this collaboration with the private health care centers as Exactly. Well? It's the same. It's he- the same Here system. in Uppsala, it's about 50-50, okay. private That's more than public. I thought it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we treat everyone the same. Public and the private primary health care centers are all contracted by the region exactly. level. They all mm. need to have they the same are, system. They have the same contract. Okay. That makes more sense how it gets more cohesive yeah. between them. Mm. So this feels really relevant at the level that you're working at. Who is your target audience? And I'm guessing your target audience changes a lot depending on what you're working on. Exactly. Our target audience is practically everyone. Yeah. So that's what we have learned over these years, mm-hmm. that you can't just target one audience. No. You, you have to spread the word widely. Yeah. But you said that, I mean, of course, we've talked about that you're working with primary care centers and GPs and mm. nurses and the healthcare professionals at the local level. And the hospitals. And the hospital level. Mm. Yeah, that, of course, too, is a, <laughs> a different sort of communication. Um, Uh, And at the hospital, we have somewhat a new strategy Mm -hmm. because earlier we we went to the hospital wards and we talked about guidelines and um, gave them feedback on their antibiotic prescriptions. Mm -hmm. But now we also started working with antibiotic rounds Mm -hmm. where a specialist in infectious diseases comes Mm -hmm. to a hospital ward, uh, looks at the charts for all those patients currently being treated with antibiotics and sees if there are any rooms for improvement or anything special that you should think about. And then they give this feedback to the um, physicians treating those patients. Okay. So it's so it's, all... a, it's a support system for the acting physicians exactly on the spot at the hospital. That's yes. A, that is a bit different than primary care. I mean, exactly. it's more acute situations. Yeah. It's maybe situations where you maybe don't have a diagnosis first you treat just because it's too risky not to. Mm. So this does feel like a more sensitive place to go in and change. This feels like a good way to approach it, to kind of just go in and give a support system. Exactly. More. It's a, the message from Strama should always be like coaching and yeah. supporting and not... Not controlling no, or setting No, we're, limits. we're not We're not the Strama police. No. <laughs> we're, we're the Strama coach. Yeah. Um, it feels like a very smart way to communicate because right? you're not really setting... It's not like a, a nanny going in and punishing a kid. No, for no. A, I mean, it's it's no. a very different collaboration. Exactly. It's a working together and coming to a solution that works. It feels very solution-oriented, and I, I like that. It sounds yeah. good. And, and that's also very educational. Yeah. It's been very appreciated yeah. by, From the, the, by the physicians. Yeah. How long has this been a part uh, of your... Here in Uppsala, we have done it when, when we have had some money to do it. Yeah. So we have not been able to do it at a regular basis yet. No. But from time to time, we've done it, and it's been very appreciated. But now we've talked at the Uppsala region about financing mm-hmm. this on a regular basis. So yeah. that's been something we worked a lot do with feel... recently. And now we have just received funding for the next year. So oh, we're great. very happy about yeah. that. So now we have to do 
do the best and show that it gives results. Yeah. <laughs> do you know if this is used in other regions as well? Yes, it is. Yeah. I know that in um, Skåne, <laughs> the most southern part of Sweden, it's been used and they have written several articles about this. Okay. And it's also being used in uh, several places mm-hmm. around the country. Okay, so this is maybe something that will be more implemented on a national level later if it's... We, we it hope so. Well. And we also spread the word that this is not really a job for Strama. No. It's a responsibility for the whole hospital because yeah. this is how you get good quality on the healthcare that you provide. Yeah, but you're here to kind of help set it up and support exactly. it, but it's not supposed to be on Strama's plate. Exactly. We, we can help, we can coach, but yeah. it's not our responsibility. No. It's the hospital's responsibility yeah. to make sure that they have a high quality in their healthcare. Yeah. Well, aside from working with the hospitals, I mean, you do also have work to the general public. And you've talked about with the child care professionals and such. Do you have any other sorts of, how do we say, general public outreach? No, we have these pamphlets that we have at the primary care mm-hmm. units um, in their waiting rooms. Yeah. Uh, and so on. A lot of the work towards the public is done by the... The Swedish Public Health Agency. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you've been working in this field for a while now in a time where it's become, how do we say, more emphasized as an important issue. Do you feel like you're messaging has changed i mean in sweden there is a relatively high awareness for antibiotic resistance Mm. issues maybe not a full understanding but people seem to know that there's a problem with antibiotics and overuse of antibiotics Mm. do you feel like you've had to change your message with the change in time or do you think that some of the same central issues are still important to push Yes, I think you can reuse the message. Yeah. It's still important. It's worth emphasizing. It, it is. Yeah. It's like the opposite. I think that we sometimes forget that we have to repeat the old messages. Okay, yeah. Because we think that, okay, everyone knows how this yeah. is important and why we have to talk about it. But then we have to emphasize it again yeah. to inspire people yeah. about this question. And maybe it's also perception or like the awareness of the antibiotic resistance issue is it's not something that lasts. It's not. No, you you maybe need a reminder, a booster. Put it on repeat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you can always come with new angles on it. But I think a lot of the messages are worth repeating. Worth repeating. Okay. But I think now we talk more about the importance of protecting your own gut flora. Mm-hmm. That was not there. No. That's more of a new, yes. newer message. Uh, and that you should be glad that you don't have to take antibiotics. Yeah. It does feel like a very useful point that it is very harsh on your body. And maybe this is something that was maybe a misconception before that antibiotics, oh, you can just take them just in case. Yes. That it didn't harm you in but any that, way. That's also because now we have studies showing yeah. how long it really affects your flora. Do you feel like there's any common misconceptions or misinformation about antibiotics and antibiotic resistance? Well, amongst the public, I think a lot of people thought that, okay, if it's a bacterial infection, then you need antibiotics. Okay, that it's always Yes. Yeah. And if it's a virus, you don't. Yeah. So like half then, the message went through that viruses... Antibiotics are not helpful, but... In, in some. Yeah, in some. <laughs> but some also 
it kind of went too far to the point yes. that you need it. You always need antibiotics. Yes. Okay. But now you don't always need it as soon as it's a bacterial infection. But I guess that goes along a bit with the information that it's you should be happy not to have to take them. Yes. That, that it's good to reduce the use when it's not really necessary. Yes. They and kind that of go it, it's together. so often the degree of the infection, how bad yeah. is it? Yeah. So what do you see are maybe the main challenges in this field and the work that you do? I think when it comes to communicating this to healthcare professionals, mm -hmm. uh, a main challenge is that they're moving around. They don't stay in the yeah. same place. <laughs> <laughs> so you really have to um, spread the word over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Do you see this as a problem? It's not really a problem, but you no. have to keep it in mind. Yeah, just something to think about when you're yeah. talking about it. Okay. You, you can't think, okay, we've been to that place, now check. Yeah, it's not done forever. It, it doesn't work like <laughs> no. that. <laughs> no. You have to do it over and over again. Okay. And do you think anything is missing from this field? Time and money. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of the things that you've talked about that, I mean, a lot of applying for funding and getting money to do some of these, yes. I mean, these projects sound incredibly important and very mm. useful and it sounds like everybody's quite receptive yes but they are the limiting factor is the time and the money yes i guess yeah do you think this is maybe something that with raised public awareness there might be a more more of an incentive to put more money into these issues or do you see this as a continuing problem that you're going to have uh no i think that with more awareness about the problem mm -hmm. of course that would help yeah and also in the um, industrial field yeah <laughs> to to help the need for new antibiotics. Yeah, because you work a lot with stewardship, really. Exactly. Yeah. That's what we work with all day long. Yeah. <laughs> preserving what we already have. Yes. We talked about this in a recent episode, too, that we can preserve what we have as much as we can, but it mm. will eventually be limited in its use. Yes. Because we can't really stop resistance. No. We can prevent it and we can work to minimize it. But yes. there might always be this, you know, slow buildup. Mm. So you see that there's a big need for new antibiotics and new new classes. and Yes. And also you have to focus a lot of, on hygiene so you don't need yeah. antibiotics in the beginning. Yeah. Is this something that you see that healthcare professionals see as important or maybe not even just healthcare professionals? I guess this is a general thing. Good hand hygiene. Good. Yes. Of course. I think everyone knows it it's important yeah. but again there's the time factor yeah do they always have time to follow all these steps yeah in hygiene and in clothing so it's time and money again yeah that's a central <laughs> problem if you were given a large chunk of money today mm. from some governmental side i guess to say okay you have this for work with antibiotic stewardship anything you want where would you prioritize that money what would you use that money to do I would first ask the professionals in mm -hmm. both primary care and hospital care yeah. because they, they work down at the, the, the gra grassroots level, level yeah. so they would know. They would know where, yes. what needs this money. Yes. Yeah. I think that's very important. You have to ask the people really doing the job yeah. what's needed. And that feels like a really central part of Stroma. I mean, it's a nice yes. approach that you guys are there for support, you're there for coaching, but yes. you always kind of turn back to them and ask. Exactly, because they know the reality. Yeah. We know the office space. <laughs> they know the reality yeah. in, in healthcare. Do you have anything that you already know would be asked for if um, there was money? And time. I know that the tasks that we give the um, our ambassadors mm -hmm. at the primary care units, they will want to do more if they just had the time. Yeah. Now maybe they do as little as possible, mm -hmm. and they get the bonus. But if they had more time, 
they so, would want to do more. So the will is there. Yes, really, the, the will is there. It's really the but time But they have the so much else to do. Yeah. Well, in a way, that's uplifting. In a way, that's a little depressing. <laughs> it's nice to know that people want to put in the effort. Yes, I, mean, that's, I, I think everyone wants to do yeah. a good job. Yeah. That's not the problem. No. The problem is that they have so much other things to do. Yeah. There needs to be time for everything, but hopefully yes. this field can get some more resources, both in time and financial resources, mm. to really put that more work in this it's too bad if there's a will and no ability to do it. Exactly. With that, I think we might start wrapping up. Is there anything you'd like to add? Another thing in drama is that we emphasize the importance of teamwork a lot. Yeah. Everyone is important in the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, nurses and physicians and so on. Yeah. So that's... It's multidisciplinary. Exactly. And uh, everyone is equally important. Yeah. Everybody has. <laughs> Everyone's role is equally important. Yeah. And that's both in Strama and in, we also like to emphasize that when we reach the healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. And this teamwork, it works really well. You see that these collaborations function really well. Yeah. Are there any issues with working with people from different educational backgrounds, different training? No, because we complete each other yeah, very well. Yeah, everybody has their yes. their position, their job. We're like a trivial pursuit cake with yeah. different... <laughs> All parts of a whole. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Ganila, for sitting down and talking with us. It's been a really fun conversation. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for joining us, Ulrika Donhammer. Uh, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, as you said, my name is Ulrika Donhammer. I'm a pharmacist at the Public Health Agency of Sweden. And uh, my background is within the Swedish Strama organization, which many people might be familiar with. I work with national collaboration projects here, both within human health and also intersectorial, so with mm-hmm. humans and animals and food production and all sorts of sectors. So you mentioned that you, your background is in Strama. Yeah. So how did you come into working at the public health agency? Uh, it was actually an organizational change because I started out at the mm-hmm. uh, national uh, office for Strama. And after a couple of years, it was incorporated into what was then the Swedish Institute for Communicable Disease Control. Okay. So that's where I work for a couple of years and then that institute transformed into the public health agency Folkhälsomyndigheten mm-hmm. and this is where I am now. So, so I've, I've just it's continued. It's mainly been like the same thing but yeah. the organizational changes around it. Exactly. Have I've been doing the, the same thing? job but yeah. things have changed around me. Have you noticed of. a big difference in your job or the way you work depending on these different organizations? It was definitely a transition from being at the Strama National Office and then becoming sort of an official part of a big governmental body because yeah. Of course, with governmental bodies work in a certain way. Yeah, um, there's more bureaucracy and more formalities. I exactly, yeah. and you're under the Freedom of Information Act. You need yeah. to act as an employee of the state, basically, which is, it suits me. But <laughs> but yeah, some, it's something that you have yeah. to, to learn and get used to, I suppose. So how does your daily job look like? What do you do in a day? Right now, I'm very much involved with the uh, Swedish Intersectorial Collaborating Mechanism. So okay. that, And that's a, a government commissioning that we have to Folkhälsomyndigheten and the National Board of Agriculture. Mm-hmm. So we chair this collaboration group and it involves 20 national authorities and, and a couple of organisations. 
our task is to uh, coordinate the Swedish work against antibiotic resistance. Um, Between the human health side and the agricultural side. Yeah, Yeah. human health, animal health, food production, Mm -hmm. but it also includes research, social planning, Mm -hmm. work environment, civil contingencies, international collaborations, international trade. So it's a very broad Very complex network. (laughs) It is, yeah. And some of the organizations work very closely with antibiotic resistance. Mm -hmm. We do it all day, every day at Folkhälsomyndigheten. And for some of the organizations in the network it's a very small part of what they do and so that's of course a specific sort of challenge of balancing everybody's engagement but not putting too much demand on actions. Do you feel that there's a will to put in an effort and even when in these agencies where it's maybe a smaller part of their daily job is there still like an understanding and a will and Yes, I think there is uh, from most of them. Yeah, definitely. And of course, that's, I mean, given that we have a government commissioning to do mm-hmm. this, we kind of have to, yeah. but it, there is also a strong will. Like internally. a personal will, not just being pushed into it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Personal and that's also nice. organizational will yeah. to participate in this because it's antibiotic resistance is seen as an important issue. Mm-hmm. People are getting used to this idea that it's no longer a medical issue. It's a yeah. societal whole systems mm-hmm. issue. And have to learn how to deal with it as yeah. such. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of uh, engagement and a lot of will to do good things. Yeah. And Sweden is in a good position. We've worked with this for 25 years, mm-hmm. so we've, we've, we're really good at it <laughs> in most ways. Um, and we, we have quite a good situation, but that doesn't mean that we can sit back and say, okay, we're finished. We still yeah. have to be... Um, progressing. Yeah, progressing. Yeah. On, and, and also... And maintaining. I mean. Exactly. Maintaining the good situation. The world is constantly changing around us. So we have to adapt and learn. And we also have it as a specific target in Sweden's national strategy for antibiotic resistance that we're supposed to be in a leading position within the European Union and, yeah. and also in a global context. So we need to need yeah. to keep getting better. This is something I've just heard. I don't know how accurate this is, that Sweden had a big position in regulating antibiotic use in agriculture at an EU level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, a new uh, EU directive, I, call, I think it's called, for veterinary medicines mm-hmm. Uh, that was passed quite recently and Sweden was really pushing yeah. for some uh, antibiotic related things mm-hmm. there definitely yeah and also on the global level I mean Sweden has been instrumental in getting the UN to talk about antibiotic yeah. resistance via Professor Otto Cash from Uppsala mm-hmm. he's been a, a yeah, very good. strong driving force for this yeah. for a long time so it sounds like collaborations between a lot of these organizations is a huge part I mean, like a big strategy for moving forward in the field of antibiotic resistance but do you have any other main strategies in your effort to communicate on AMR. Yes, I mean the, the collaboration aspect is one of them mm-hmm. and, and there's this sort of yeah. society-wide engagement. But then of course it is largely still a question about doctors prescribing antibiotics mm-hmm. in a best possible way, healthcare and, and social care staff preventing infections mm-hmm. within the scope of their professional roles and also um, the public yeah. participating in trying to keep well and not mm-hmm. spread infections and, and also of course you use antibiotics wisely if they are prescribed them Mm -hmm. and so as the public body here at the public health agency we do communicate about that Mm -hmm. a lot to prescribers of course to try and make um, prescribing guidelines available and easy to use for them on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and we uh, communicate with the public also a little bit both as a within the human health sector but also from this collaborating group 
Are there any specific concepts that you're currently focusing on communicating either to healthcare professionals or to the general public? Is there some like specific aspects of AMR that you're maybe in the process of communicating? Yeah, I can mention the uh, in, in this intersectorial collaborating mechanism, mm-hmm. we do have a joint communication strategy yeah. that we use. And that is both for communicating um, within our sectors, mm-hmm. but also across sectors. Yeah. And the main message there is that antibiotics are here to save lives Mm -hmm. so we must use them with care and then that translates into messages for professionals how to have a good awareness and understanding of antibiotic resistance and Mm -hmm. how one's own professional role has uh, the role you play in the whole yeah exactly why it's important for me to know as a nurse or as an animal healthcare Mm -hmm. worker or yeah wherever there are these sort of overarching messages and then we've tried to translate them into specific messages also for uh, public Mm-hmm. And then we have a couple of clear sort of pathways for communicating with the public, uh, which is um, in the roles of either patients or prospective patients. Mm-hmm. So listen to your doctor, use yeah. antibiotics <laughs> as they instruct you to do. Also as pet owners, so listen to your veterinarian, basically, yeah, and use true. antibiotics yeah. like they tell you. And as consumers, so choose food and goods that are sort of sustainable from an antibiotic point of view. Do you feel it's difficult? Is it harder to communicate with the general public than with healthcare professionals, for example, that maybe might be more more aware of the potential downside? Than... Mm, it is challenging to communicate with the public in the way that we still have to be scientifically absolutely clear with what yeah. we say. I mean, antibiotic resistance is a very complicated issue. Yeah. And then you add different sectors, which complicates it even more, this sort of whole One mm-hmm. Health perspective. But even if we try and then say, use simple messages and yeah. clear messages they have to be scientifically correct you can't like sacrifice the the quality of the message no. for simplifying it. no it has to be as good exactly and very the, clear which is must be very difficult it is very yeah. difficult to sort of boil it down but it we have to both because we are a public body we have mm-hmm. to say things that are true and yeah. <laughs> scientifically sound and and it has to You're do with our the, the not the government maybe but i mean the the country yeah exactly and it has to do with our trustworthiness yeah. as, as an institution but also so in a more sort of practical way, if we communicate something via social media mm-hmm. channel and people ask questions. So why do you say that I need to wash my hands in order yeah. to not spread infections? We have to be, of course, prepared to answer. And mm-hmm. so we need to know what we said in the first place. So we have to have those sort of the lines must be clear yeah. so that we can keep explaining. Yeah. And that's that is a, a delicate balance between the hugely complicated issues that we try to talk about and trying to say it in a clear, informed interesting way that kind of raises above all the noise of everybody else sharing very important messages Mm -hmm. so yeah that's uh, that's really difficult it's a constant learning process of how to do it do you feel like the receptiveness from the public side has changed over time that people become more aware Mm, of the problem I kind of want to say yes Mm -hmm. my gut reaction is to say yes but I also have to say that we actually don't know yeah there's because, not a lot of research done, like no, studies exactly. to really analyze this sort of thing. No. Quite recently, people have started talking about that we need behavioral sciences, mm-hmm. we need, yes, various social science. And communication studies. And communication, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Different, different areas need to kind of shine their light upon this issue because we don't really know what people think, how they think that antibiotic resistance, where it comes from, yeah. how it hangs together between humans and animals and the environment 
environment and everything. We don't know very much about people's attitudes, how those attitudes may be informing their behavior. Mm -hmm. We have a little bit of data on certain things. We do some surveys now and then, and there have been some research projects, mainly focusing, I think, on the interaction between a patient and a prescriber and looking at the conversations and what goes on in that consultation, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. But I think we also need to know what people think in their private lives Uh, because as we start to talk about antibiotic resistance as health issue but that also has to do with animal welfare and global trade and the pharmaceutical industry and and people start to see these these connections we need to know how they think is responsible how they think someone should solve this problem you know who's who's supposed to do what and and also how and to what degree I mean how much should it affect and how much should it maybe cost I mean I'm assuming also some of this is do people you t- you talked about this and how purchasing for example food that's been produced without a use of antibiotics for example I mean that's that's kind of a well how do people interpret this how do people see this is it better to buy something local then that's more expensive like how do they see this balance in their own personal lives yeah and that's I mean that's also part of a whole other type yeah. of, I mean it kind of fits in with climate the yeah, climate issue and, a lot. Yeah. and and uh, also this whole question about what we're supposed to eat in order to keep mm-hmm. healthy I mean there's so many layers of of meaning <laughs> like you said it's I mean there's so many important messages coming out there they might just be overlapping each yeah, other and exactly it's, it's hard to get mm. yours which is of course very important through as well mm. and also I think we need to be a little bit humble what does the public expect the sort of government authorities mm. to say about how they're supposed to look yeah. after their own health maybe some people want information some people don't, don't. want information <laughs> yeah. from us or aren't sort of prepared to take things on board yeah. and we need to know about that as well so mm. that we don't kind of create problems for ourselves yeah. <laughs> we need to be trustworthy and know more about who we're talking to mm-hmm. I think so that kind of ties into another question so you must have many different target audiences that you're trying to approach I mean how do you like number one and we've talked about that maybe before these different target audiences earlier in the interview but if there are any other ones that you think of and number two how is it to just switch the message between different target audiences or do you sometimes just send something out that anyone can be receptive or is it often formulated for a specific target audience we are I think we're getting better at tailoring the mm-hmm. messages and tailoring the channels that yeah. we communicate through a main audience uh, like we talked about before is of course healthcare professionals mm-hmm. for us yeah. specifically as an agency another target audience I think is the non-experts but mm-hmm. for example the media and policymakers, yeah. which are people that play a huge role yeah big stakeholders but they maybe aren't but they're not sort of in the medical field yeah. mm, exactly and they need to be on board and they can help a lot and that kind of requires long-term relations I think yeah. because it, this is a complex issue and they need to learn as well how to (laughs) present it or how to respond so that's one aspect of it kind of building relations Mm -hmm. and yeah of lately we've tried to work with this sort of tailoring messages even more we had a project a couple of years ago where we piloted a specific working model that was developed by the WHO Mm -hmm. and it's called tailoring antibiotic stewardship programs Mm -hmm. there's a a similar thing within the vaccines area called TIP Mm -hmm. tailoring immunization programs and this is called TAP and it uses social marketing methodologies Mm -hmm. to look at what are the needs what are the barriers and the um, potential for reaching specific groups what messages do we need to use and and how do we reach this group so that you kind of look at the needs and the possibilities before you design your intervention really trying to take in the whole picture and really have a plan exactly and what we ended up doing was developing a I think yeah the whole project was set up to try and reach so-called hard to reach groups Mm -hmm. and we were supposed to focus on newly arrived immigrants in Sweden. Mm-hmm. 
what we ended up doing was developing a communications package that explains both the issue of antibiotic resistance and in the context of why Swedish healthcare staff are so careful with antibiotics, yeah. why it's so difficult to get them in Sweden. Why it might basically. be harder here than in other places exactly. to get antibiotics if you're looking at it from the patient perspective. Yeah, and so we both tried to communicate sort of correct information about yeah. how do you use these uh, these uh, drugs and how do you access healthcare mm-hmm. in Sweden and things like that. And also we tried to uh, influence people's attitudes towards yeah. antibiotics, so maybe realizing that they aren't always a good idea yeah. for any cough or cold. Uh, we use them sometimes, but not always and things like that. Kind of also to manage expectations so that, I mean, you don't yeah. have that situation in the clinic where somebody exactly. expects something that they're not getting. Exactly. So trying to kind of communicate antibiotic resistance from taking in the perspective that people have their own experiences and expectations and understandings yeah. of health-related matters, mm-hmm. whether it's antibiotics and bacterial infections or much wider. But that kind of comes into their decisions and behavior. So we tried to develop a communication package that was... Um, tailored for Yeah, the, that was yeah. tailored towards that and that was designed to be used within language training classes mm-hmm. and social orientation classes for newly arrived immigrants in Sweden. And yeah, we did a, a bit of evaluation as well and, and got really quite positive feedback from language teachers and from social orientation coaches that mm-hmm. this is important, this is interesting to talk about and people are very willing to discuss That's really health, yeah. their own sort of experiences of healthcare in a new country mm-hmm. because it's, yeah, it's something that's very maybe close to daily life and, and you yeah. need you need your health to work in order yeah. to learn about a new context. So yeah, that was a really interesting project, but challenging because we had to both communicate, of course, scientifically correct things, yeah. but then in, a, in an even more simple, straightforward language. And then we also tried to inspire trust in the Swedish healthcare system so that people... Yeah, it's a very multifaceted thing there. I mean, you've got a mm. lot of backup along the way that you don't drop anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So that was, it was challenging, but it was, it was very, very interesting. Very yeah. rewarding. So that kind of ties into the next thing. Are there any other big challenges that you've had in communicating about AMR? Is there any big pitfalls or something that you've seen along the way? Uh, maybe not pitfalls. It's just a constant um, balance of keeping the scientific content, whether it's only about people's health or mm-hmm. whether it's also including animals and the environment and everything. So balancing the, that content with communicating in an exciting, engaging, interesting mm-hmm. way. Because, I mean, part of the difficulty in Sweden is that we've worked with this for such a long time and we are quite good at it and so there isn't very much new to say. No. <laughs> it's not so, from a communications perspective, it's not always so interesting to say we're keeping up the good work, we've got yeah. a good situation that we're trying to maintain. I mean that's not so exciting news. No. So that, yeah, that's a challenge also. Too. But it feels like that might still be a value. I mean, in a place like Sweden, where it at least, like you said, seems like there's a high and increasing public awareness of the problem, that maybe it is nice to kind of repeat this message of it's not just doom and gloom. It's still good here. We're still working hard and we, we still have a lot of good work here. Mm. But it's kind of tailoring this to the people that haven't heard that before. That, that's almost impossible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. That is another challenge. I mean, it's it's easy maybe to reach those that, that are interested in matters that that has to do with health and mm-hmm. things like that but those that don't care how yeah. do we reach them do we need to reach them maybe yeah. we do uh, yeah it's and where also... do you prioritize I mean you have a certain amount of time and a certain amount of yeah. resources then mm. where do you prioritize yeah exactly I mean now present it's a lot of focus on the sort of whole systems engagement yeah. and whole society engagement which is important and interesting but then on the other hand where would we see the big effects yeah. of communicating and really reaching mm-hmm. through with messages maybe that 
that's much more sort of high risk environments like yeah. highly special healthcare and immunocompromised patients that might be yeah, really sick more often exactly or, or elderly care yeah. assisted living where there's sensitive patient groups mm-hmm. a lot of use of medicines not only antibiotics but yeah, yeah lots uh, of different things and yeah. lots of healthcare visits and moving mm. between wards and whatnot exactly yeah. so that's also a balance between do we do we talk to everybody or do we yeah. talk to certain groups and what do we want to achieve with yeah. communicating with different groups well do you think there's anything missing i mean this is a very wide approach a very broad approach but is there anything that you see that's missing or on a more general scale maybe not from what you guys are working on but missing in general from the the amr field i can't pinpoint anything that's missing thinking about it i think we need to keep learning about tailoring our messages Mm -hmm. because yeah the issue of antibiotic resistance is kind of it's such a big and multifaceted problem that it may be a risk that we who work with it end up only talking about it as this big complex issue which is not maybe always what people need to hear we might need to bring it down a few levels and kind of give a more concrete maybe yeah this is maybe what affects you this is Mm. maybe what you can think about yeah most impact i think so i think so because we can maybe get a bit stuck in our own we know a bit too much maybe (laughs) and so we try and talk about everything yeah kind of throw everything at them be like oh and then there's this part and then there's this part (laughs) yeah exactly and we try and describe it everything at the same time and that becomes way too complicated so yeah tailoring tailoring breaking it down into concrete messages concrete advice maybe sometimes in order to at least keep up the broad engagement because i think that's a basis for the future that everybody doesn't need to be an expert but everybody kind of needs to know that this is important yeah keeping everybody it is so big in so many like the daily life of a person like you said i mean choosing what food you buy if you go to the doctor when you go to the doctor do you wash your hands before you do certain things i mean there's so many different parts that Mm. an individual person without any other is not involved in anything specific in healthcare anything like that just an ordinary person might have a big impact in mm. small steps if everybody has it in the back of their mind yeah exactly in the in the very big uh, it's like any other sort of public health uh, broad interventions small small changes that on the larger scale yeah. gives effects in the long term and yeah. they, they're always challenging to to talk about because mm-hmm. they're so big that you can sort of not see them <laughs> yeah yeah how does your team look like that you work with? I mean, is it many people different backgrounds or different focuses? Yeah, the team that is involved in communication around anything that we do, mm-hmm. both the sort of regular communication from the public health agency mm-hmm. about this and also the intersectorial collaborating mechanism communications, it's usually a mix or it's always a yeah. mix of experts in antibiotic on the sort of that side oh, the of it. Of things. Field. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And experts in communication. Mm-hmm. Because we have to have this balance of scientifically correct mm-hmm. content then presented in a useful and, and effective way. And maybe also um, always remembering that we need to work together and, and we need to, both sides need to be involved in what we say and how yeah. we say it in order to keep, because it, it boils down to trustworthiness and long term sort of effects and long term. Yeah, and the long term relations that yeah. we build and maintain with our target audiences. Yeah. yeah. So I just have a little bit of a kind of an add-on question to some of the things you talked about. Um, and it's, a lot of it is the general population thing. So mm-hmm. I, always, I personally find that a bit interesting is how to communicate there. You've talked about different channels that you use to communicate to them. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some examples of some of these channels to the public? Yeah, in Sweden we have a joint communications platform called Save Antibiotics mm-hmm. and th- that is the sort of shared platform for this intersectorial collaborating mm-hmm. mechanism called Skydda Antibiotikan in Swedish. Yeah, it's a website. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that, that's a website and a Facebook account mm-hmm. and the website has both infographics and materials to kind of 
highlight the issue from various aspects. Mm -hmm. We have uh, frequently asked questions and sort of different topics that you can find information and uh, yeah, explaining sort of the problem and what we might do to to try and handle it. It's a good uh, resource for anyone who's a bit interested in antibiotics. So students who phone us up and say, I'm going to do a project on antibiotics. You know, can you tell me something? Or associations, there was a a scouts Mm -hmm. group who wanted to do a theme about antibiotics and Mm -hmm. yeah, so people who are sort of on to the issue yeah. a little bit. People and who this are is a very... actively looking for yes, information exactly. to some degree. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a very good platform to kind of steer yeah. them towards. And I think the same is true for the Facebook accounts. Mm-hmm. Those that read what we put there are people who are at least a little bit interested yeah. in antibiotics from the start. Then, of course, when it comes to channels to communicate with professionals, yeah. we, we use kind of information days. Like mm-hmm. we have this antibiotic forum every year where we meet and network. There are presentations, but also a lot of time to just for just people talk to and meet and talk. And, yeah. Yeah. So it seems like a lot of these different organizations are very willing to collaborate with each other. How did that start? I mean, there must have been at some point where this all kind of came about, where someone started and everybody started collaborating about this and how everybody kind of joined how did that come about antibiotics has been an issue for a very long time i recently saw some examples of it being discussed in veterinary conferences all the way back to the 50s i think (laughs) and i mean already in the 1980s swedish farmers were very much on board and and took the initiative Mm -hmm. to a ban on antibiotics as growth promoters and instead Mm -hmm. started working with animal health and biosecurity so infection control basically as a way to keep the animals healthy instead of dosing them with antibiotics and then on the human health side I think in the mid 1990s that some doctors started to become really aware and worried about penicillin resistance in pneumococci Mm -hmm. in southern Sweden and and started realizing we have to collaborate we have to be so it kind of came from a need as well I mean people saw the saw the resistance occurring saw the need saw these things yeah exactly kind of took an active step in then I guess yeah I think so yeah and so people were already starting to collaborate within Mm -hmm. human health they were working in animal health and from very early on we had government bills or overarching strategic documents mentioning that this is a human health and an animal health and mm-hmm. an agricultural question. I think the earliest one was from the year 2000 and so it's it's been a very long time of, of knowing that this is not only a, a yeah. human health issue. It feels like it's come very organically up from it like, has, not yeah. grassroots but it's sort, sort of grassroots. Yeah, yeah it started from the bottom. Yeah it started yeah. From, from several places and then it's kind of grown together I suppose mm-hmm. and uh, since 2012 we've had this uh, more formalised collaboration with many different authorities and, and of course some of them are more engaged than others mm-hmm. because antibiotic resistance is a more central question to yeah. some of them and it's an ongoing process of keeping up that engagement and making yeah. sure that everybody feels that they can contribute something but no specific conflicts maybe yeah. um, it's, uh, yeah, it's something growing organically yeah. I think that's that describes it quite well yeah, yeah. and I have a, a last question I'd like to throw in how do you personally see about I mean a lot of the times when for example some media outlets and other things are trying to talk about antibiotic resistance they use some very negative terms like the post-antibiotic area the antibiotic apocalypse kind of this scaring people to understand and of course it's a very serious issue and there's potentially a lot of harm that can be done if we don't take care of it but how do you see on this 
kind of the negative the disaster fatigue mm. kind of thing like the, mm. the, the this aspect it's a really interesting aspect uh and i know there's some research in sweden mm-hmm. on this specific thing at lund university yeah. and i think they've got a really good point to put it bluntly there is a lot of scary messages of showing of talking about yeah we're going to go back to the dark ages mm-hmm. or things like that which for one thing i don't think is true because no. we have infection control we have a lot of systems that are in place even if we take out drugs we're, we're not going to be thrown back to the to the medieval times and also i think if we want people to engage with the issue if we want people to be part of a better way of using yeah. antibiotics we need to inspire them there we can't yeah. scare them there that's my personal understanding of, of mm-hmm. things but uh, you can see that if you look at different countries um, communication campaigns and things mm-hmm. some show uh, disease and death and, and horrible sad situations yeah. and scenes uh, or scary elements darkness and some countries try and use humor <laughs> uh, some countries try and be kind of keep it a bit more minimalistic and scientific and I think mm-hmm. Sweden has had that approach so far yeah. but yeah I think we're seeing more and more simple slightly humorous messages yeah. in campaigns there was a funny Australian film that mm-hmm. came out of a competition which is called The Pickup and there's a, a very beautiful woman who presents herself as I'm gonorrhea <laughs> and uh, I <laughs> I'm getting easier and easier to pick up <laughs> she stands at the bar yeah more and more humorous yeah Humor is casual and yeah. maybe towards a completely different audience. Yeah, that's really that yeah, ex- yeah. Maybe yeah. those that wouldn't listen to here's another health yeah. threat that's gonna kill you in the I end. I could see that that's really like a if that was a commercial in some way. I mean, people catch that message a lot easier than yeah. they would maybe catch just a simple fact. Mm, yes, exactly. Even if you say this is a global public mm-hmm. health problem that have devastating effects, that it already there is quite the difficult yeah. to keep people interested yeah. because it's very easily overwhelmed. I think. So, yeah. Well, the simple and, thing, I'm sure it's easier to, for them to remember sometime. I mean, it's, it'll stay with you more. Mm, yeah. yeah. And I think it's possible to communicate, use antibiotics wisely, even without showing a single pill, a single white coat or yeah. scrubs or... <laughs> or a single prescription or, or mm-hmm. anything you can get through with that message anyway. Yeah. And that's one of the very exciting things for the future to hopefully be a little bit part of that. Yeah. Because it's yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. As well to work with it. Absolutely. But yeah, with that, is there anything else you'd like to add? I think I've said what I wanted to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh then thank you very much for sitting down with us. It was great to have a chat with you. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I really did. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for today's special episode. Hope you enjoyed it a lot. And I'd like to add a special big thank you to Edwin Alam for supplying us with information about the Swedish healthcare system. Thank you so much. After having listened to how this communication of AMR works at the local and the national level here in Sweden, please do not forget that we have another special episode coming up in two days on Wednesday of this World Antibiotic Awareness Week. And we are going to have someone that actually works with this global level of communication of AMR. Someone that works at the WHO, at the World Health Organization, which is actually the organizers behind this awareness week that happens every year. So hope you enjoy. See you here in a couple of days. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For more information about the Uppsala Antibiotic Center, please visit our website. You can find a link in the episode notes. You can also follow us in Twitter. Our handle is UAC underscore UU. This episode was brought to you by the AMR Studios, composed by... Eva Garmendia.
Jenny Jackman and Po Chen Tang. And a big thank you to Henrik Nys for letting us use his song Sound the Alarm.